Welcome to Love and Loss, a podcast where we talk about the difficulties surrounding pregnancy and infant loss. It's important to know that although we may sometimes host psychologists and other mental health professionals, this show is not a substitute for therapy and or psychological treatment. We encourage all individuals and families experiencing loss to only listen as you are able. The content of the show can occasionally become triggering to those who have lost a child during pregnancy or infancy. If the substance becomes too difficult, we encourage you to turn it off. Allie Felker is a hairdresser from the San Francisco Bay Area. Her son, Henry, Hank, died by cord compressions at 31 weeks and was born still on July 1, 2020. She and her husband have a living daughter named Octavia, or Tavy, who is eight months old, and they also have a husky Malamute mix named Chaos. She works with PUSH for Empowered Pregnancy and Stillbirth Prevention Legislation. Allie loves connecting with other loss families and especially chatting with anyone pregnant after loss. Welcome back to another episode of the Love and Loss podcast. Today we have Allie Felker. Welcome, Allie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Allie, where are you joining us from? I am in Northern California, so I'm in like the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh my gosh. Okay. I think the listeners are tired of me saying this, but every time someone is from Northern California, I'm like, that's where I went on my honeymoon because it's, oh, no way. yes, girl. And it is my San Francisco is now my favorite city in the whole United States. Like, Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I mean, did you go to San Francisco for your honeymoon? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, neat. Oh, cool. That's so fun. It was fun. And then we went up to Napa for a day and oh, oh I, I love Napa. Yes. I was, I was like bougie and unashamed when I was there. (laughs) That's the way to do it. I'm going, um, I'm going on a a Galentine's trip next month and I'm really excited. I've never like really done Napa in that way. Like, um, so yeah, we're like, it's, it's stupid. We're like taking a limo. Like it's going to be, Oh no, you take it back. That is not stupid. That's my dream. (laughs) I'm like it's self-care yes girl and and self thank you self-care um because all moms need self-care and especially moms who have been through the trauma that um people like you and I and the listeners have experienced so um with that (laughs) with that uh where does your story begin yeah so um I I got pregnant and I found out I was pregnant in December of 2019 and I was really excited. We, um, we weren't really trying, um, we weren't preventing. And so (laughs) it was like a little bit surprising to me because, um, it just, I, I know how I have so many friends who have such a difficult time getting pregnant or who have just tried for so long or done IVF. And it was just really shocking to, to get pregnant so quickly. And, um, I had a completely normal pregnancy. Um, the only thing that was a little odd was my platelets were decreasing, which is just like a thing that happens to me, but no one was concerned about it. I saw a specialist, they wrote it off. They were like, everything's fine. Um, and still that hasn't really shown to like be a problem. Um, and yeah, we, we found out pretty early on that we were having a boy And we were really excited. We picked his name like so quickly and we called him Henry. 
And so we would we would switch back and forth between calling him Henry or Hank. So I use both of those names, like Hank is his nickname. And I just love, uh, I love that he has a nickname. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, children who we, you know, might lose. Um, it, I don't know. It's just like very personal, like very. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's something I, very, very tangible and like close. You feel close when you have a nickname for your baby. Yeah. I, I love it. And it's, it's really cool because sometimes like in conversation, I'll use Henry or Hank. And I really feel like when I do use the, use the name Hank, it's like, it is very personal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also fun because both my husband and I go by our nicknames. So his name is Drew, his full name's Andrew. And yeah. I go by Allie, my full name's Alexandra. And so I've always been big into like, what are we going to, what is our kid's yeah. nickname going to be? So yeah, that's like, Oh, yeah. so cool. That, okay. It gets yeah. better and better. Cause he just really yeah. on your family. Okay. So you yeah. found out he was a boy. You named him Henry or Hank. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we just really had like a wonderful pregnancy. It was during COVID. So it was really disappointing because my husband wasn't able to come into, he was able to come into our first appointment. And then after that was when like things really hit. And, um, we, he wasn't able to come into any other ultrasounds. So we did have, we went into have a private, like 3d ultrasound, which now I'm like really thankful that we had, because that was really the only time that my husband and I were able to be with him and see him, um, before he passed. And, um, so one day, I believe it was a Monday, no. So it was a Tuesday morning. I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning and I had been like working all day Monday on my feet and not really paying attention. And so when I woke up in the morning, I was like, I don't think I felt him move in a while. And, and how far along were you? I was 31. I was almost 32 weeks at this point. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I hadn't really, I, I didn't know what it was like. I didn't know what kick counts were. I didn't Mm-mm. know what monitoring fetal movement looked like. Nobody really told me that that was a thing. My doctor had kind of mentioned like, oh, you can do kick counts now, but not really like what count, kick counts are or what mm-hmm. that looks like. And, um, I, uh, I was just like, hang on. I feel like he moves a lot mm-hmm. and feel like he would usually move like, you know, after I ate or, um, sometimes like in the middle of the night he would move. And I just woke up and I was like, I don't remember feeling him at all yesterday. And so, um, we got up, I ate a little something. He still didn't really move, but like we got one of those I do not advise this. We got a, an app on my phone that would like listen to the heartbeat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so we found a heartbeat. So I went back to sleep and I, then my husband went to work. I got up, kind of went throughout my day. Still was like, I'm not feeling him Uh and called the hospital. And they said, you need to go to the ER. And that was just like mind blowing to me because I didn't feel like I was that far along. Um, but they were like, yeah, you need to get to labor and delivery right now. And so I like panicked. I called my husband and I was like, oh, no, I'll just drive myself. And he was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> like, right. So, yeah. Well, and in your defense too, like you were 31 weeks, but you're also not that far along. Like it's both. No. 
it's both. No, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I'm in my third trimester, but not so far along where you're really confident having like birth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, we, we got to the ER, um, we went up to labor and delivery, did a non-stress test. I fit, he was there. His heartbeat was there. Mm. Um, I failed the non-stress test. So they sent me downstairs for an ultrasound and there's a type of ultrasound called a biophysical profile, mm-hmm. which is when they measure the heartbeat, they measure, um, the amount of amniotic fluid, they measure the amount and quality of movement. And they also measure monitor to see if the baby's practicing breathing. Mm. Wow. Basically. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty extensive, uh, ultrasound. And I know all this because when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, being a high risk pregnancy, they, they did this, um, weekly towards the end of my pregnancy. Yeah. So it's an extensive, you know, um, ultrasound. And if a baby passes all of those, they get an eight out of eight. Mm. Um, so I go into this ultrasound and I ask to see him and I'm looking at it and I can see him and he's not moving and he's practicing breathing, but he never actually moved. Hmm. And the ultrasound tech had me like jump up and down to try to get him to move. Yeah. And she said, well, his foot was in one position and now it's in a different one. So we're going to count that as movement. And at that point in time, I was so desperate for any type of relief Mm -hmm. and I was tired and I was, I had been in the ER for hour or not in the ER, in labor and delivery for hours. You know, I had to wait in the ER by myself, had to go up to labor and delivery by myself. Cause COVID. Cause what month was this? of 2020 this was in this was the last day of June in 2020 yeah that's that's the heat yeah. of COVID I mean that's like the, it's still so new yeah so yeah so new oh, so God. Um, yes yeah just like they're and literally like these poor hospital workers are just going by new recommendations that are changing yeah. all the time yeah you know and it's it's just frustrating for everyone yeah. everybody's frustrated <laughs> and so yeah. Um, so I got sent home. I was given an eight out of eight and really, yeah. And huh. we're currently looking into that. Oh, so yeah, that was, I didn't realize how bad that was until I had, until I was pregnant with my daughter and I went to a different provider and had that same test, the BPP ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And when they explained it to me and when I explained to them what my experience was, the look on their face was like, yeah, that's not okay. And that, that really made a lot clear to me that this ultrasound was done in error. And so, yeah. And so, um, I, I was able to, before I got sent home, I was able to FaceTime with my doctor because of COVID and, right. um, you know, and it was like, it was horrible. Like it was a poor connection. And mm. mind you, like I had an appointment on, so this was all on Tuesday. I had an appointment scheduled for Thursday and Thursday was the day that I was going to be 32 weeks. Mm-hmm. 
So I just like, I just went home and well, they told you to, I mean, you're doing, yeah, what you're told. I mean, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing. I mean, I know now a lot more about well, fetal movement and about monitoring, you know, there's so much that I know more now, but in yeah. the time, you know, I did, I tell this to every mom I talk to, you made the best decisions with the information you had at the time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I hope, I hope you continue to tell yourself that. I do. I'm okay, really good. excited. I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually getting, um, like a tattoo next month, um, to, yeah, to talk about, like, uh, we can, we can talk about this more, but yeah, to, to honor my body, um, yes. because, because ultimately it was my body that failed, mm-hmm. but I'm still thankful that, you know, my body gave him a life and it gave yeah. my daughter a life. And so, yeah. Yeah. So, so to continue the story, I, um, the next morning, same thing, I woke up and I was like, I still don't feel right. Like Mm. I still just have so much, um, just this maternal instinct that was very like, something's off. Yeah. So I was ready to drive myself back to the ER and my husband was like, no, let, let me go with you. Um, and then went through all the COVID protocols and, one thing I'll never forget is that I was, I was in the ER and a mom in active labor was getting wheeled in and I had already checked in. And like, I kind of jokingly told the staff, like, take her first. She's obviously like, you know, Mm -hmm. about to have a baby. And this was her fourth child. So she was like, my baby's come fast. You need to get me up there. Oh, you know? And, um, she's like, and this, at this point, no husbands are allowed in any waiting rooms or anything. Right. So she, she was like, how do I get my husband up to labor and delivery? And so they told her, have your husband go to the main entrance and we'll call him. Mm. And so I'm like, okay. So I text my husband. I'm like, Hey, head over to the main entrance. Um, and I'll call you. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I looked down at my tummy and I said, please be okay. Mm. You were, you were talking to your body and to the baby, huh? Oh yeah. I was mostly, I was mostly talking to, to Henry and I was like, Henry, please be okay. Please be okay. Um, and so they wheel me up and instead of taking me into like the non-stress test room that had like other moms, they took Mm -hmm. me to a labor and delivery room. Okay. And that kind of like, I was like, that's kind of weird. Um, and I, I think they knew at that point in time. Okay. Um, and so they put the monitor on me and it was the same nurse from the day before. So that was really sweet. Um, and she is just searching and she, she's searching and searching. And I feel, I feel like the panic start to set in. Cause I, I'm starting to know what's happening. And, um, I start like sobbing and when I'm sobbing, my stomach is moving and I'm, yeah. I know it's making it harder for her. Right. And so 
I just keep saying like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she's like, you're fine. You're fine. And she's like, I'm having trouble. Let me, um, let me get another nurse. And so she brings in another nurse. That nurse says, I'm sorry, I can't find a heartbeat. And she says, yeah. And so then they bring in, they say, we have to confirm it. Yeah. So they bring in an ultrasound machine and I'm still alone. Like my husband's downstairs and I'm fully sobbing at this point in time. And I'm just, you are. Yeah. And I'm just hoping beyond hope that they're wrong and knowing fully that they're not. Mm -hmm. And so they put the ultrasound machine on me and then pretty quickly they, they nodded and they said, and I, I was like, I need my husband here now. Like I can't be alone anymore. Right. And they're like, okay, we'll call him. And I'm like, you don't have his phone number. <laughs> like, yeah. How are you going to call him? I'm like, just give me my phone. I'll call him. And I called him and he rushed up. And what was really ironic is that he was in the elevator with the husband whose wife was in labor and who was in the ER with me. Oh, yeah. And we left the hospital at the same time as them too. And it was like so cruel. It was cruel and poetic and Mm. awful and just such, you know, such a a crazy, bizarre thing to happen. Um, And even in the, even in the elevator, um, the, the husband asked Drew, um, he's like, Oh, is this your first? And my husband said, I think we just lost him Oh my God. because he, he heard him. My voice, I said, you have to get up here now. Like something's wrong. And, Oh my God. Yeah. So then I'm, I'm with my husband. We're in the hospital and I realize I still have to deliver this baby. <laughs> like I, did you realize a- that on your own? Yeah, I didn't. Wow. I, it just kind of dawned on me. And I looked at my husband and I was like, I, I have to deliver him. And so my, I was, I was crying, but I was definitely in shock. Um, Yeah. Like there was, and I think every lost mom knows that feeling of shock. Like it's a very real feeling. And I just, I knew two things. I was like, I don't want to go home. Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I just, I, I know I can't go home. I can't see baby stuff. I have to just like stay here and get this done. And I could not keep looking at my stomach. Right. Like I was, I was avoiding mirrors. I even took like, they have, um, you know, like the bassinet that they put your baby in. I like took it and wheeled it into the bathroom. I was like, I can't even look at it. Like I can't yeah. look at anything that reminds me of what is happening to me right now. Right. And, um, and I was like, I want him out of my body as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And mind you, I was just one day shy of 32 weeks. So my doctor, um, we get her on the phone and she's like, Hey, I'm, I'm coming to the hospital. Now we're going to start you on Pitocin and we're going to start, you know, labor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my body is two months away from being ready to have a baby. Yeah. I was like, can I don't, I don't want to sit. I said, how long is it going to take before you think it's I'm ready? And she said, it can probably take two days. And 
I just was like, I can't sit here for two days. I can literally hear babies being born down the hall. I can hear babies crying around me. So I not to mention the fact, okay, you're talking about all this emotional pain. Oh yeah. Why would you, I mean, to be sitting there going through the worst thing a parent can possibly experience. And then to think I'm going to be in physical pain too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. (laughs) So I was like, I just asked her, I said, what, what are my chances of having a Mm C-section? And she was like, really on the fence. She didn't, she was like, let me just, I want you to think about it. And so I called my mom and I, I texted with a friend who had had a C-section and I was like, Hey, how bad is it? And she was like, you can do this. Like you, you can do this. She's like, just, just get this done. And so I did, I chose to have the C-section. They, they did it that night. Um, and he was born and they took me into the recovery room and they asked me if I wanted to see him. And I was really, really, really scared. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard that from a lot of parents. Yeah. And if it, I, we, someone very close to us had also had a, a loss that was, um, she had a stillborn baby at 37 weeks. And so she said that she did hold her daughter mm-hmm. and, um, she explained how that experience was for her. And I am so, so thankful for that because, I mean, obviously I'm not thankful that we've both been through it, but I'm thankful she told me that because I, because of that, I did hold him. And that mm. was so healing. Yeah. Um, Tell me about I, that. Tell me about holding him. Yeah. So they, they brought him, um, he was just perfect. Um, they brought him bundled up and they put him in my arms and I have never felt so much joy. Really? Um, I didn't know what to expect. Um, especially a baby who's been stillborn. Like you don't know what they're going to look like. Um, I didn't know if he was going to look very different. Um, there are some signs like every, pretty much every stillborn baby has, um, we call it red lipstick, but they have like red lips and, um, and sometimes their skin can look a little different. Um, but he, he really did look perfect. Like he was just, he, he looked so much like my husband and, um, and that was cool. And then we, um, we looked at his feet. That was the only, I wish we had done a lot more, but we did like unwrap his blankets and we looked at his feet and he had, I have very long, very narrow feet and he had the <laughs> same exact feet. And, um, it was beautiful. I mean, you're, you're was- also describing things that every parent does when they mm-hmm. have a baby. And, um, yeah. there's something really, really poetic about that. Yeah. All parents look at their baby's feet. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, there's something about a baby's feet. I don't know. It's just like, they're perfect little toes. Yes. Um, we, we held his hands. He had just perfect hands. Um, and so they let me take him into the recovery or into the back into the labor and delivery room, like the room that I was in. And he spent the night with us and it was Mm -hmm. 
so, so beautiful. We got to hold him and they said that our hospital was wonderful. They said, you can take as much time as you need. And we decided that we wanted to wait for um, the sunrise and we wanted to watch the sunrise with him. And after that was when we said goodbye. You wanted to watch the sunrise with him. Yeah, that was, it was my husband's idea. He was mm-hmm. like, I just want to show him that. Did you, um, the, I mean, if I, I have to notice that this is what made you tear up is showing him the sunrise. Yeah. When I, when I was pregnant with him, the one thing that kept making me so excited was there's so much beauty in this world that I want to show him. And so that was like the one thing we got to share together. And I think that was just like a beautiful time. And even still, like if I catch it, I'm never up early enough. (laughs) If I do ever ever catch a sunrise, I just, that's like our special thing. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted to show him beautiful things and you did and you continue to. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many ways that he still lives on just in our hearts and in our home. Yeah. And yeah, it's really special. <laughs> I'm never going to look at a sunrise the same. Yeah. So you showed him the sunrise and you said goodbye. Um, yeah. 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 And you said you honor him in your home. How do you continue to do that? Um, so we have. Um, a couple of ways. So we have like little memorial things around our home. We have mm-hmm. like, um, I don't know if you've seen that artwork where it's like, it's kind of like a watercolor, but it's like a digital thing of like a, a person's family. Oh, I um, love those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how to describe these. And um, so we just, we just got a new one made and I'll probably do one every year. Um, so it has my husband and I, our dog, and then our daughter now, and um, my son as a one-year-old. So I plan each year to just buy a new one. We have a, an artist who's like a friend of ours who does them. And I'll just keep adding Henry just at his different ages. And then um, we have his urn is at home. Mm-hmm. And um, that was something, it's so personal for so many people. And um that was just a, we decided to have him cremated because we, I, we really wanted to have him close to us. Yeah. And yeah, that's a really like personal decision for a lot of people. And one thing that's really horrible is that when you have, they make you make these decisions when you're in the hospital. Well, yes. Okay. (laughs) I've talked to parents about this. You go to the hospital with plans, right? Mm -hmm. Like you are a pregnant mother and you go with plans to, to show your child things, to learn how to nurse, to do all this. And then all of a sudden, not only is that ripped from you, you also have to do plan things that no one should ever have to plan. Yeah. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's from exciting plans to devastating plans. Absolutely devastating. And there's so much work that needs to be done, at least in like, I don't know how it is in other countries, but in 
from what I've heard in the U.S., like every parent has gone through the same thing where like literally hours after you birth your child, they're like, okay, which funeral would you like, which funeral home would you like to pick? Would you rather have him cremated or buried? Like all of these horrible things. And thank God my husband like handled that. And like, every time it, every time we would pick up the phone to call the mortuary, we would, we couldn't talk. Right. Like we were just bawling, crying and they were like, Hey, we can do this over email, which was so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was just like, okay, you're really going to expect me to make these decisions right now. Like what was also very frustrating is that, um, and I, I really did like my doctor. I connected with her a lot, but what I, immediately after finding out, she was like, here's what we're going to do in the next pregnancy. Oh, and it was like, can we just, I, w- I hadn't even delivered him yet at that point in time. So, um, yeah. wow. That's a lot yeah. of assumption in that phrase. Yeah. And that really did go to show like my nurses were so compassionate and they really seemed to get it. Yeah. Um, and just some of the other providers and the social workers, like they just missed the mark. Mm. And that was, that was disappointing. And I feel like there's so much education that can be done here because it, yes. it wasn't treated as a, a, in my view, preventable death. It was cr- treated as an unsuccessful pregnancy. Mm. And yeah, it was just really interesting because even from my doctor, it was like, okay, next time this, we're going to make it, we're going to make it successful. Like it's going to work. You know, that, um, that I'm, I'm feeling that in my heart. Um, my doctor, I had an early pregnancy loss and my doctor, Mm -hmm. when they couldn't find the heartbeat, um, before I left, she said, I hope you, I hope to see you back really soon with better news. Mm. Just, and she just said like, just so you know, it happens really fast. And I was, I was like really (laughs) furious. Like you don't know anything about me emotionally or all you know is that my baby died. And, and, um, she was wrong on so many different levels. Um, and she was so well-meaning, but I wasn't ready to have another baby. Yeah. I mean, some moms aren't ready for years. Exactly. Like, yeah. And yeah. it's like, and it's different for everybody. And yeah. And it's, it's like, how could you assume that I'm gonna, yeah, it's just, it's just so interesting. It's like, oh, the goal wasn't attained. So we got to try again. And like, even the yeah. words try again, it's oh. like, we're not, you know, we're, we're not like in a competition where we're going to like try so that we can win or try so that we can get to this goal. We're literally creating a life. Like there's, there's such a difference in the mentality. Yeah. The trying again really bugs me as well, because like, what does that mean? I tried and failed. No. Yeah. I experienced a death of a child. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not something I did wrong. It's, it's, it's a death. And um, so with, with, um, Henry dying by stillbirth, I've heard another stillbirth mom say 
this is not just an event that happened. Mm-hmm. This is a birth and a death. It yeah. is both. It's not just a situation. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe, maybe that's what happened when people were missing the mark. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely seen as, and even now people will say to me like, oh, I'm so sorry you went through that. Mm. And I'm like, you know, it's not something I went through and now I'm fine. Like yep. a, there's a child who's missing from my life. From the world. And from the world. Yeah. And there's, I mean, the world is, is at a loss now. Absolutely. You know, somebody's not going to be in it. And um, yeah, so I definitely think there is that mentality of like, yeah, this isn't just a situation. It's not an event. Like this is, this is the life. This is my life. This is my son's life. Like there's a lot more to this than just like a one-time thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry you went through that. Yeah. That's not very, um, it doesn't hold enough weight. No, it's not validating. <laughs> no, it it's not because you went through that like, oh good, now you're fine, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what I mean, I kind of I like to try to compare it to different types of grief like okay, if my if my husband passed away and somebody said, "Oh, I'm so sorry you went through that." Like it just doesn't make sense, does it? No, it doesn't. Not at yeah. all. Not at all. Okay. So you've done a lot to honor your son, to honor Henry. Um, what, like, what role did faith play in your grief journey? Yeah, that's a big topic. So I, um, I was a more fundamental Christian, I'll say. Okay. Before, um, before Henry's loss, I definitely had like some questions and I think I was, already trending more of a progressive faith. Um, and, um, what really hit me was so many people after, um, he died would say, well, everything happens for a reason. Oh God. Yeah. And we all know that that's like the worst, (laughs) but, um, yeah, so many people would say that to me and then, and and totally well-meaning people, you know, they they were just, you know, yeah. Like, absolutely just trying to, I don't know, help the conversation along, I guess. And, um, and that really got me thinking. And then also when, um, like people I knew who were Christian and people in my family who, you know, just said, Hey, God has the plan and like God's in control. And that, I just started thinking about it. And I was like, I don't know if I believe that. Right. And, you know, I was like, I just, I, I have a really hard time believing that God would want this for me. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely had like a lot of questioning and it really prompted a time of just kind of going to God and saying like, I, I don't know what I believe anymore. Yeah. And so even for the past like year and a half, I've, I still don't know what I believe, but I have a lot of peace about that because I don't think that God would condemn me for not getting all the answers. Right. A freaking men. (laughs) This is Reverend Joy speaking. (laughs) A freaking men. (laughs) Like, 
I just, I don't think that God would be like, mm, your theology was wrong here. So right. sorry, that's, that's not going to cut it. Someone once told me doubt is not the enemy of faith. Certainty mm-hmm. is. Oh, I need to write that down. <laughs> doubt is not the enemy of faith. Certainty is. Yeah. And there's no, to say that God has a plan implies that God killed Henry or something. Yeah. And that's, that's literally not, what people are implying. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me either. Yeah. My all loving, all creating God. Yeah. Like I can't God imagine is, God, God killing babies. No, like God creates life. Like literally, like literally, I just always went back to like one of the most foundational verses to, for me was like, I have come to bring life abundant into the full. The enemy seeks to kill and destroy. And I was like, that to me just makes so much sense. Like there, there is, I believe, I believe there's evil in the world. I think there's evil in like the, the things that we do that harm others and there's evil in negligence and there's evil in, you know, and so for me, just the idea that there's this plan and that everything is written out to God's, I mean, that's never really been my faith, but <laughs> just like to, would, to hear people say that to me and even like with pandemic stuff, people saying like, well, if it was his time and I'm not about Henry, but like about other people. And I'm, I, yeah, it's just, there's so many things in my soul that are like, no, that's not right. Like. I know that that's not right. It's like, I don't have all the answers. Right. <laughs> I don't pretend I'm definitely like seeking and trying to figure it out. And, you know, but I know in my soul that God doesn't kill babies. Right. It also sounds like Henry is teaching you a lot about faith. Mm, I never thought of it that way. I think Henry is teaching you a lot. I like that a lot. Good. Cause yeah. I, I hear it. And like the passion you have when you talk about him mm-hmm. and the passion you have that when you talk about the things you're learning, they kind of go hand in hand. Oh yeah. I love that. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Because I mean, when, I don't know about you, but like growing up, like you said, doubt and uncertainty, um, questions, all of that was, was really stigmatized. Yeah. And it's really freeing to see that in a positive light. Yeah. 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 Um, I hope that as you continue to grieve and grow and raise your daughter and honor Henry, that you continue to question and learn and grow Mm -hmm. and, that's how we become more faithful people mm-hmm. um, is not by being certain yeah. and sticking our heels in the mud, but by yeah. listening and praying and seeking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. You guys might hear um, Henry's little sister has also decided to <laughs> yeah. join us. So we are so lucky. Um, yeah. And how far apart are they in age? So they are just a year and a month. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're very close in age. Close 
yeah, they're really close in age. So that, that's fun. She's, she's almost five months old. Um, yeah. and Henry would be, I can't do math, a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Henry is the same age as my son. Um, really? Yeah. What was your son's birthday? August 8th. Oh, okay. Henry's was, um, July 1st. Yeah. And then hers was August 15th. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Babies. Um, Allie and I have been talking a lot about how we have so much in common and and I hope you can hear that in the episode that I just feel like a kindred spirit with Allie. Um, Allie, before we, before we cut out here, I have to know, is there a generic or a cliche phrase that we haven't mentioned yet that really bugs you? We've mentioned a bunch, haven't we? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, just everything happens for a reason. I even heard it the other day on the bachelor. What? Yeah. Like it's of just all it's so places crazy. to hear it. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was the, like the lead. He was like, you know, I just really believe everything happens for a reason. And I was like <laughs> watching my trash TV, like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. As if we expect more out of the bachelor. <laughs> I know. Right. It was like, you know, this franchise isn't really one for pushing some good, good things. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's my pet peeve one. My number one pet peeve one too. Um, if you're down for a book recommendation, there's a professor at Duke called, um, Bowler and she wrote a book called everything happens for a reason and other lies I've loved. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty cool. You can follow her on Insta. I'm a fan girl. I will definitely look into that because yeah, that one, nothing fires me up. Like like yeah countering that one yeah well Allie thank you again for sharing with us thank you for sharing Hank and letting his sister um also guest on the show yeah Um, we are so blessed um by Henry and his story and by you and your willingness to share him with the world thank you so much and thank you for just creating this platform I I mean, obviously I'm not thankful that this happened to either of us, but I'm so thankful that we live in a time where this is a, a resource for us and that other women have a resource that they can listen to. I think that's just so wonderful. Oh, thank you. This has been another episode of the love and loss podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. As always, be sure to rate us on Apple and Spotify.